Welcome everyone to Straight Shoot a Wrestling Podcast. Yes, do not adjust your screens. We uh, are doing something a little different this week. We have a special guest as Santi is down in Colombia on vacation. Infamous Jade Lowe from TikTok, one of our favorite ICW and wrestling creators on the Wrestle Talk. Jade, welcome to Straight Shoot. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well, man. Uh, I've been watching you and Santi for a couple of months now. I enjoy y'all's videos. I just got into your podcast recently, too. So here to have a good time, buddy. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, dude. Let's uh, hear a little bit about yourself. Uh, Obviously, this is a wrestling platform. So um, let's hear how you got into wrestling, how you got into the social media side of things, and just where your passion comes from. Yeah, uh, the passion comes from watching wrestling since I was, as long as I can remember, my dad got me into it. We watched Monday Nitro every Monday. Um, after WCW shut down, I got out of it for a little bit, got back into WWF and in the, the later part of the Ruthless Aggression era, and I've been watching it ever since. Um, and um, I, I've, I've been into, um, like, e-fetting, and, and I've done local news reporting and stuff, just really anything to, to keep me fed into the wrestling business. And then um, just like a lot of other people, I got into TikTok because of the pandemic, just looking for, for a way to waste some time and, and kill some time sitting around the house when we couldn't go outside. Um, and then I'm scrolling through TikTok and I start seeing guys like Narcolepsy Boy and Lou Nonsense and Axel and um, Mitri God, And I'm like, you know, this looks like fun. So just just on a whim, uh, I made a, uh, a video, and I was like, you know what? What could possibly get wrestling nerds' opinions more than saying stuff that's going to piss them off, right? So I was like, what, what are some things that I wholeheartedly believe in that I know 80% of the population is not going to believe in? Um, and so I just made kind of a, a highlight clip of that. I called it Wrestling Opinions That Might Trigger You. I wake up the next morning, and it's got 10,000 hits, and I'm like, holy shit, I wake up the next day and it's got 20,000 hits. I'm like, holy shit. So I make another one, and that one gets to 40,000 twice as fast, and the ball just started rolling down the hill, man. Um, So basically overnight, I was at 5,000 followers. Within a couple of weeks, I was at 10,000, and then I've slowly climbed my way up to 41,000. So uh, I I run a community that's uh, open to to any wrestling fan of, of, of any age, of any opinion, the, the only rule I have is uh, don't be an ass. Um, I know you and Santi probably know from watching my comment section, uh, I like to use the word blocked because I like people to know when they've been an ass. Yeah. Um, I don't just quietly block them. I want them to know before I do it, you're an idiot. Here, here you go. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and I, have a, I have such a good time. I actually did a podcast on my own for a little bit. I haven't done it in a while. I've had an opportunity to do that. I got to interview Ryan Satin on a podcast, which was like the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I went to the Royal Rumble in January and and a lot of people came up and said hi. And so just being a member of Wrestling Talk is is just in the short time I've done it over the last year, provided me with some of the coolest memories that that I'll ever have. Uh, So I I look forward to doing it for a long time yet. As long as TikTok doesn't ban my account, please, (laughs) Daddy TikTok, don't don't ban my (laughs) (laughs) account. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. And I guess uh, the one thing you're most notorious for is – Always in the Pats kit. What's it? Well, talk to me about that. Diehard Pats <laughs> fan or what? 
I am so I am a diehard Pats fan. This is not uh, not a work. It, it's a shoot. Um, I've been a Patriots fan since '99. So pre Brady, you know, the first thing everyone says is, "Oh, you're only a Patriots fan because Brady got you all the Super Bowls." No, pre Brady, I was a Patriots fan. I was nine years old, and I grew up in Arkansas. Um, if you're going to watch football, you just kind of have to pick your own team because Arkansas doesn't have a football team because Arkansas barely exists. Um, so. <laughs> I picked the Patriots mostly just because I like their colors, and then the rest is history. Um, but the reason that I wear it all the time is because I uh, I have I have a keen eye for like um, for marketing and and for being able to to um, broadcast myself. And one thing that I've realized with TikTok's algorithm is that TikTok likes when people comment on your stuff, right? So if I can get that extra six or seven people per video that wouldn't have commented otherwise to just comment and say the Patriots suck. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for boosting my algorithm, Bubba. Appreciate you. Hey man, I complete uh, I, I completely understand that because uh I, I find like any any videos that I post myself, uh I prefer the comments to get as dirty and grimy as they can because I love uh really shutting them down. Um yeah. all right man, so both uh avid wrestling fans, um what I want to get into tonight, I think our first conversation while we were just shortly off the air there was, um, and we had a, we kind of had a, a bit of a, a, a reversal of roles. I kind of came in as the heel on this one and, uh, really shot on Monday Night Raw. And from my opinion, how the episode was not that good. And I think, Everyone in w in the WWE universe felt that this past weekend's episode was actually quite quality. Couple of nice returns, couple of good matches. Um, let's let's talk first over maybe not the 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 biggest surprise of the night, but uh, Becky Lynch's promo. Um, what do you what do you, what's your vibe on this defeated Becky Lynch? So, so Becky Lynch was obviously a lot more interesting as a babyface back when she was the pursuer and not the pursued. Um, I, I think Becky has been quality since she's come back, but I don't think I honestly don't think she's been as good both in her promos and in the ring as she was when she was a babyface. I just think she's a natural babyface. Um, so it'll be interesting. But she's done some nice things on the heel side. It'll it'll be interesting to see. Now that she's kind of both, because she's kind of still the 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 bad guy who you know immediately put down the crowd in her promo, but then now she's also the pursuer again. She's again she said it in her promo the first time in three years. Um, she's been on Raw without a title, which is bananas. Um, and, and so um, I, I think Becky Lynch is probably going to be better off being the pursuer. I just think her character is more interesting that way. Yeah, and let's get into the the repercussions of her uh, promo, the return of uh, Asuka. Um, I think we saw this down the pipeline. I know you are a massive uh, fan of Asuka and like her overall in ring performance and yeah. uh, that kind of thing. What was your what was your overall vibe when she came in? How do you feel about this feud? Um, and where do you see it running? I saw something on Twitter that was uh, really interesting that kind of ties the whole thing together in that 
Um, Oscar was the last person in, that Becky was in the ring with before she left for her maternity leave. And now Becky is the first person Oscar's in the ring with upon Oscar's return. So it, it's just kind of this WWE does a lot of things wrong, even for someone like me who loves WWE. They do a lot of things wrong. One of the things that they can absolutely do just fucking beautifully when they want to is long-term storytelling. Mm-hmm. And whether they meant to do it or not, the the fact that Becky Lynch was the first person that Asuka or yeah that Oscar saw upon her return, um, it's just beautiful, beautiful storytelling to me. Mm-hmm. Because now, if Becky wants to start pursuing back up the ladder towards Bianca Belair, who's the first person she has to get through? The person that she handed the title to um, two years ago. So, um, and, and listen, just on the Oscar side of things, I'm, I've I made a t- my top ten favorite wrestlers of all time last year, and Oscar's up there. I got a lot of sideways glances on that. Oscar um, wasn't always up there. It was Oscar's performance in 2020 that secured her spot on my personal top 10 favorite wrestlers of all time. Asuka carried the, um, the, the silent building era of, of WWE and then even helped to carry the Thunderdome era going into the pandemic ending or, you know, ending. So Asuka, and I'm, I'm so glad they didn't change her. They, they didn't change her name. They didn't change her character. I think that she's been gone long enough that um, they didn't need to, and and that uh, her coming back just the way that she was, still being that you know using the the smarmy language with Becky and then doing the reverse fist is just everything about it. I popped out of my seat when it happened. I'm I'm so happy she's back, and I'm looking forward to see what happens next. Yeah, I can see I can see them having a nice little feud going into probably backlash or sorry WrestleMania backlash and probably. Uh concluding it probably at SummerSlam. Um, but can you really see either one of these women uh, running uh, a non-title feud for the next six to six months? I, I personally don't think so. I think um, they're both too big a names for this. Yeah. Um, and not only are they, you know, if you look at it from the, from the aspect of them being two huge names, but I mean, just take a look at WrestleMania, and and did they have one single women's match that wasn't a title match? No, I don't. I I don't recall one not being they a didn't. title match. So yeah, in fact, they had two singles women's titles matches, and then the only way they could get any more women on the card was to cram them into a eight woman tag team match, and that's what they have to do every time at WrestleMania. They either cram them into an eight woman tag team match or about a royal WWE's major weakness with the women's division. I believe overall that WWE's women's division has always been better since AEW, since their inception, both from a talent perspective and from a booking perspective. But WWE's one big weakness is they cannot to save their own asses book a women's feud that doesn't involve a title Every time they try and book a woman's feud that doesn't involve a title, it comes off as very catty. See Aaliyah versus Natalia last year. Um, it's just, it's very annoying the way the women come off when, because WWE's Vince McMahon's version or vision of women fighting is cat scratching, meowing, taking off the heels. And yeah, he just has no, he has no deep thought for what women would actually be fighting over unless it's a big piece of gold. 
and uh, I don't see that changing. So I'm I'm nervous for how this feud is going to go. Yeah, I think it's better off being short term than long term. Yeah, I, th- I think you're going to get a little bit of heel heat on uh, on the opinion of of Vince's uh, persona when it comes to the the women's division. But you know what? Uh, I I don't I don't disagree with some of the the past feuds that he's had. Um, but like, okay, let's move into uh, maybe a more entertaining and uh fun celebration how we kicked off raw randy orton's 20th anniversary first off what a career man like would you have thought when that baby face uh walked out on smackdown in those short like short trunks pretty boy blonde highlights i think he had uh you know the typical cast iron jaw chiseled did you did you really think we were gonna get what we have now in you know the Viper, the Apex Predator, the Legend Killer, the Accolades? Um, obviously, uh, Evolution really kind of molded that. But did right. you did you really think twenty years ago that you were gonna be sitting here and being like, what a career this kid's had? No, back then, if you would have asked me, um, I would have said Batista is going to be the one to have the the 20-year career, and he's going to be a 13-time champion, and Triple H is probably going to wrestle until he's as old as Ric Flair. Um, I, Randy Orton and kind of John Cena in that same cloth. I Back then, I, I could see that WWE were high on them, but I certainly did not think we'd be sitting here in the year 2022 with Randy Orton still wrestling. Yeah. And so Still, and and the thing is, not only is he still wrestling, but he, he you know, you heard him say it in the ring. Um, being an RK bro is the most fun he's ever had wrestling. And you know what? Damn it, I believe it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely one hundred percent believe that Randy Orton is having more fun right now than he ever has in his entire career. Um, you can see it in the way he interacts with Riddle. You can see in his energy with the crowd. Say what you want about Orton as a heel and he's better off being a heel, you know, I, I, that's fine. If you want to have that opinion, every time Randy Orton has been a baby face, excluding that first run, he has been really over. See, you know, 2009, see 2017, see now. Yeah. Um, so Randy Orton can get over as a baby face. And, um, I, I, I was starting to doubt in 2020 how much time Orton had left. But seeing the energy that he's gotten now, I could see him going another seven years. And it's incredible that he stuck around this long. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do agree with that. Like, I, I wouldn't have said. But then again, I wouldn't have said John Cena was going to have the run he had, too. So um, we're not going to dive into my my opinions on John Cena because I think we'd be here for three hours with you trying to hit hit back at me. But um, the, the one thing I'm going to say about this segment is... I was actually quite disappointed that they kicked it off the way they did. Um, I did like the the Kevin Owens coming from the crowd. Uh, very, He's a national treasure. Yeah, exactly. Very much like uh, Moxley in AEW. He doesn't like using the ramp, and I would love to see more of this from Kevin Owens coming through the crowd and just being that disgruntled employee and doing whatever he wants. But the uh, what I was disappointed was they made it a little bit too nostalgic uh, with the Cody Rhodes thing, and it almost took away 
from what Randy was being given. It yeah. was more of let's go back to legacy and almost pass the torch. Yes, this is Randy's 20th anniversary, but we're still going to put Cody over. Um, that is one thing about this segment that really annoyed me. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I didn't really think about that at the time. Um, the, the thing about Cody is that, you know, you, you think back to um, put yourself back in high school and um, you, you would you would have this this new this new car, right, that, that all of your friends wanted. Um, and then every opportunity that you get, you pass by the front of the school with your car just to show them, hey, look at this, I've got this car, and you don't. WWE, I think, can't help themselves with Cody Rhodes. Um, he's already, if you go if you go to Hulu and pull up Raw, you're going to see Cody Rhodes. Yeah. If you watch an ad on during SmackDown for Raw, the last face you see is Cody Rhodes. Um, he's the face of Backlash. The match they're putting more hype behind than any other match is Cody versus Seth. And I think WWE is probably every opportunity they have to put Cody in a high-profile spot, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. Because they want AEW fans to see, hey, look who we got. And and look how good we're treating him. And look how happy he is. And look how good he is. Um, they'll never say that out loud. But but I think secretly that's probably an yeah. aspect of it. So Yeah. And moving into, like, speaking of your national treasure of our, our Canadian boy, Kevin Owens. Um, this man can carry any storyline anything he he can carry a feud with steve austin and steve austin only has to be on on the screen for 25 minutes after seven weeks of build now let's talk about probably the most interesting story in uh in wwe at this moment in time it is not elias it is ezekiel elias's younger brother (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Um, um, here's the thing. I don't think anybody but Kevin Owens could have gotten Ezekiel over. I really don't. And at first, part of me was like, how in the hell do you go from main event night one with Stone Cold Steve Austin to Ezekiel, right? But I, I think that Vince probably recognizes what he's got in Kevin. And uh, he knows that Kevin Steen Owens is going to, no matter what you put him in, he is going to put every ounce of his fucking heart and soul into it. Yeah. And it's just so funny. The second that I heard, no, 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 no. I couldn't help it. And I'm, I'm laughing right now. <laughs> um, and he, I think Kevin Owens single-handedly, you look at that main event match that at the end of Raw, you got the Usos and Randy Orton and and Cody Rhodes and and Ezekiel and Ezekiel's just hanging out there for some reason, but he's there and he's there because this feud with Owens is working against everything that that I ever thought possible. Yeah. It's working because Kevin Owens is making it work. Yeah, and he's honestly, I didn't think Ezekiel could be this over, but then again, the talent that uh, Elias was. He was so over, or he was so despised that he can even carry a character, and I think it's very underappreciated what he has the ability to do as well. He carried that Drifter persona for so many years and really 
had both ends of the spectrum covered. So I think we're in for an absolute treat with this feud. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it, forward to it. I just think uh, Ezekiel might need to change his gear just a yeah, little weird. bit. Yeah, it's weird. I agree. It's weird. Uh, it's like right. colored paint. It's it's weird. Oh yeah, it, it, it's 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 very weird. I think we saw. I can't remember. I think it was uh, Trish came out uh, when she came back for that little short stint, and she came out in like a flesh tan colored bodysuit, and I was like. <laughs> Vince allowed that? <laughs> All right. I don't think that's PG. Yeah. All right, let's move into uh, probably my biggest disappointment of the night, but it's always my biggest disappointment of the night. Uh, Bianca Belair and Sonya Deville's uh, Raw Women's Championship match. Sonya Deville running as, I would say, a new version of Stephanie McMahon. And I am... We'll get into Bianca, and you guys, you can shoot on me all you want about my my not being a over on Bianca. But here's the thing. A lot of people are not over on the job that Sonya's doing. And Sonya's job right now is giving me very much um, early to late, or sorry, late 90s, early 2000, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley coming into her power, coming into her, like, almost final form, we'll say, and really utilizing this this place of management and power position to her advantage. And we got to see this in this match. Um, you know, getting tossed out, getting counted out, uh, then the disqualification, no DQ, uh, sorry, the and then with the Carmella and Queen Zelina coming out and kind of helping, it, do you get that vibe as well that, like, Sonya is kind of getting this almost, I'm not saying Stephanie McMahon 2.0, but really building her character around that that Stephanie vibe? So it's funny that you say that because um, she does remind me of McMahon, but she reminds me of Shane McMahon. More recently, the the best in the world 2019 into 2020 Shane McMahon. And I think that's the reason that it bothers me so much what she's doing. Um, and, and it all goes back, by the way, to the fact that, you know, Sonya is not Shane or Stephanie. Sonya can wrestle, and she can wrestle really well. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they can't make up her mind or they they can't make up their minds on whether or not they want her to be an in-ring person or a backstage personality. Um, and I hate Shane McMahon. I don't know if you've ever seen my, my videos on Shane McMahon. I've got so many videos on Shane McMahon. I made a playlist out of them. I hate Shane McMahon and, and not, Oh, you dastardly heel. You go, go away, get off my screen. And her tactics, as far as, bringing in um, the two people and, and, you know, cause Shane always had cronies when he was wrestling Roman Reigns and the Miz, he always had cronies restarting matches in, in, in his favor, um, punching people and saying, you can't punch me. I'm authority. And to your credit, Stephanie did all of that stuff way back when, but Shane is a more recent memory and that wound is still fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, she, she definitely is. And I, you know, it makes sense because who do you think is, is teaching her how to be, a GM character. Yeah. Vince McMahon is teaching her how to be a GM character. The same person who probably taught Shane and Stephanie how to be a GM. So what she's doing and how she's acting and her mannerisms, it's no surprise to me mm-hmm. that they are the way that they are. Um, 
And um, I, I've been sick of Sonya being on my TV since the Naomi feud, which seemed like it went on for four years. Um, so I haven't been able to enjoy this Sonya Bianca because I just need some, I either need some time away from the Sonya Deville character or she just needs to quit being the backstage character and just be a wrestler. And I I'd think, be happy. I think that. that's where they're going to build this to um, with her now finally abusing her power. Um, I think we're going to see that move into her finally transitioning. Um, yeah. She did take her time off because of everything happened in her personal life. And I think this was a nice, uh, easy transition back in for her. Um, to the match itself. And I want to quickly uh, start moving through Raw a little quicker because I want to get to our topic of the show. Um, really, uh, be how do you, really, how did you feel about this match? Like, are they making bianca almost too powerful in in her in her in her run right now to overcome three women a steel chair a couple of steel chairs um some pretty solid bumps that would take out your average person uh what's your opinion here like because i was like okay they could have they could have done less and sometimes less is more yeah I, I, I think the it could have gone one stipulation less. I think it, it went on a little bit too long. Yeah. Even as a Bianca Belair fan, it went on a little bit too long. I think you, you didn't need the count-out part. You didn't need the count-out part. Um, you, you could have just had Sonya skip straight to, I'm going to hit you with a chair, um, and then I'm going to try and end the match that way, and then maybe bring out either Carmella or Queen Zelina, especially considering the fact that they just broke up three weeks ago. And then when they now. did, well, and when they did that promo backstage with Sonya, they couldn't seem to make up their mind. Cause Carmella just haphazardly threw in a, Oh, by the way, it was her fault too. But no, you're, you're standing here talking about having a tag team title opportunity. You're friends again yeah. after you just beat the hell out of each other. So don't even get me started on that. All right. But I would, I would agree that match could have gone one segment less, but I I also think that we we have to be careful as wrestling fans in uh, putting it, putting ourselves in a situation where we don't know what we want because mm -hmm. we always say that you have to make a champion look strong or else when it's taken from them it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But then when someone like Roman Reigns or Bianca Belair gets treated strong and has a nice long title reign, then we start saying, oh, "Why are they ever going to lose? Why are they shoving them down our throat?" So. Um, I think it, it's. I, I think it right now it feels fine the way that they're treating her, mm -hmm. and right. then we'll see what happens going forward. But this, right. this match in particular, it could have been one. Yeah. Okay. Let's move into. Uh, we finally got a name for Edge's new faction with Damian Priest. Um, wh what are we calling it? The Judgment Day or Day. Judgment yeah. Day? Um, the one thing I want to get into, okay, yes, a lot of people are really over on this faction where there's conversations about who else is going to join, hints at Rhea Ripley, um, I'll get into Ciampa in a, in a minute, and we're calling him Ciampa now, Tommaso's been dropped, which, let's not get into that, we'll get into that into the topic of the yeah. show, but fucking poor Finn Balor, man. Yeah. Like, what is WWE doing with him? Like, is this, like, like the proverbial uh, death by small cuts? Like, everything is always against Finn Balor, and I'm just so confused by it. 
Right. Well, you know, they had no choice but to bring him back up to the main roster, right? Because NXT 2.0, the face they're trying to put on that, Finn Balor didn't fit in 2.0. Mm-hmm. He, he, he wasn't going to belong there. So they had to bring him back up. Um, unfortunately, I knew he was doomed the very first night that he came back. And during his entrance, he immediately did this because now he's back to crowd pop Finn Balor. And that's where he was doomed in the first place. Um, and so I, I was excited when he had the feud with Roman, even though I knew he wasn't going to win. I was excited when he became the United States champion, even though some part of me knew it was just a transitional reign, yeah. probably for theory, even before it happened. Um, look, it, it, Finn Balor kind of falls in the same category for me as Kevin Owens, where I'm never going to be fully satisfied with how they're booked unless they're world champions. Um, but at the same token, if they're happy doing what they're doing, more power to them. Yeah. Um, Kevin Owens has openly re-signed his contract. If Finn Balor wants to re-sign because this is what he's happy doing, more power to him. But it certainly feels like WWE sort of recognizes what Finn brings to the table, but then only uses it just enough to put other people over, and it's a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I'm getting the very big Cesaro vibe with what they're doing with Finn Balor right now. Um, and speaking of Cesaro, uh, how would you feel about Finn uh, going back to his old persona and to Prince Devitt and joining AEW? I mean, he might as well. Everyone else is joining AEW. But do you think um, he would be successful? I think... Um, I, I thought... Let me answer it like this. I thought that Andrade was going to be successful in AEW. And I thought that Keith Lee was going to be successful in AEW. And I thought that Aleister Black was going to be successful in AEW. Where the fuck are they? Yeah. Um, so maybe that's a topic for a different day, but I, I do think that going to AEW is the guaranteed success it used to be because AEW is quickly becoming oversaturated with too many guys that they don't know what to do with. And we've seen this before back in uh, our 90s days with oversaturation and big contracts yep. and, uh, you know, look how yep. well WCW did. All right, moving on to the final uh, segment I want to talk about. Miz and um oh dear me who was this segment with it was I know who we had yeah so Miz and Theory kind of very I got very John Cena Kurt Angle vibes at the start of this yeah I I don't know how you felt about it and then we hear this music music we've never heard before and the big oh my god moment Mustafa Ali's back. Jade, please, how do you feel about this? Because I am going to shoot on this the second you're done. Uh, I can't really explain how I feel about Mustafa Ali other than, than putting it into two very quick parts. Number one, I'm just happy to see him on a TV screen again. Um, I'm happy that WWE um, are at least going to use him if they are not going to lose him. Um, I, I hate that WWE releases guys in the 20s and 30s um, and then the one guy that asked for his release, they're suddenly like, eh, you know, eh, we could, but, you know, we're just going to hang on to you for a while. Um, so if they're going to keep him, I'm, I'm happy they're at least going to use him. That being said, um, The Miz, I think, falls into the same category as Kevin Owens. The Miz can put anybody over, mm-hmm. um, make anybody look good. So I was glad if they were going to bring Mustafa back for a match than it was against The Miz. Um, I And my last, <clears throat> my last point, I have zero faith this is going to go anywhere of any of – any, um, severeness or whatever maybe maybe he'll have a a backlash match in in five weeks he's going to be chasing the 24 7 title with the rest of the goobers um 
I have no faith that, and that's not Mustafa's fault, by the way. But I have no faith it's anything other than that. No, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to booking. But um, I'm on the other. I'm I'm on completely the other side of the spectrum. I loved. I did love this segment, um, and I really did love the shots that were thrown back at Mustafa Ali because coming from someone who works in corporate business um, and everyday, you know, not I won't say higher higher echelon business that kind of thing but there's structure in business and you don't air your dirty laundry publicly uh if you want to do business properly you uh, you make a phone call you say i'd like to request a meeting and maybe mustafa ali did this but the way he went into twitter and said i want my release and all this bs for me i am annoyed that mustafa ali is actually back on television uh um, okay I would have preferred to see him if he, they want to bring him back, put him back with the goobers because really like you really don't deserve the TV time unless you severely kiss some ass and apologized. And uh, first ping of me saying acknowledged on today's uh, episode, but you acknowledge that you were wrong. And maybe he did do that, but I was really annoyed, and I am so glad Austin Theory and The Miz got the opportunity to really shoot on him in these promos, because I genuinely believe he deserved it. Yeah, and maybe that was the agreement they came to, right? Is that we'll put you back on TV, but we're going to toast your ass for it. And maybe he said, I fair enough. We don't know what happened backstage, but again... Regardless of how you feel about that, I have zero confidence that anything happens from this. But we did have a final little segment with that and uh, Mustafa walking back and uh, Champa, that we are now supposed to call Champa, just like we are supposed to call, what's his name, Butch. It's Champa, which, okay, whatever. But Champa versus Mustafa Ali. My, take away my feelings on him being back on screen. I see some good matches here. Oh, yeah. I, I see quality. Champa is world-class. Mustafa is a great athlete. I think we've got a good couple of weeks of maybe a, a second on the card WWE Backlash, WrestleMania Backlash um, match here. Um, I, I'm excited. We can see a barn burner here. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, this, I think this is the kind of pairing that could easily go for like a best of seven, kind of like Murphy and Black or Cesaro and Sheamus did. Uh, I love when wrestlers do that. And um, it, when you let Ali go, he wrestles kind of the same NXT style that Champa likes to wrestle. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Throw, throw them in a ring and just let them have at each other, and it's going to be entertaining as hell. Yeah. All right, so our coverage of Raw lasted a little longer than I wanted it to. But um, let's get into the real topic of the show. I want to talk about your opinion on the the current state of the business. Um, we are, I would say, a little bit more knowledgeable wrestling fans. We have we have the history and the following of everything that we've seen. Um, we have the upper echelon that is WWE. We have the new kid on the block, and I'm still going to call it the new kid on the block of AEW. Um, where there's obviously that comparison of what is better, is AEW performing uh, better than WWE? Um, where I'm going with this question is, are we starting to see finally that proverbial shift where every all the stars are going to align and we can finally get that quote, you know, weekly ratings war, or are we a very long time from this? Because I have my opinion on it, um, but are we a very long time from this, or are we also talking about two 
different products completely. So, so in my opinion, um, we are talking about, I mean, so, so the point of wrestling and the, and the point of why they do what they do is to entertain, to bring eyes to what they do. And my opinion on WWE and AEW is and has always been the eyes that they're each bringing to the different products, completely different. Yes. Completely. The people that watch AEW are going to watch AEW regardless if you got if you got Omega versus Jericho or a bag of trash versus a bag of garbage. They're going to watch AEW because it's not WWE mm-hmm. and because Tony Khan and Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Cody Rhodes for a long time told you, you don't need to watch AEW, you need to watch, or you don't need to watch WWE, you need to watch AEW. So th- that that demographic is always going to watch no matter what, just to try and stick it to WWE. And then combined with that, you have the people that don't really care about the war between WWE and AEW, but they're seeing all their favorite indie guys who previously, no one had any idea who they were, MJF and Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara and all these guys, and now they're getting their chance in the limelight and they want to follow along with that. Meanwhile, WWE's demographic hasn't changed for the past 20 years. Mm. The people that watch WWE are going to watch WWE regardless of what AEW is doing. Now you're going to have people like me who watch both, and then you're going to have people who watch AEW and see the Mimosa match or whatever, or watch the arcade match or whatever, and and, and, or watch, you know... um, Hook and uh, and and uh, Dan Housen and say, "What the fuck is this shit? Yeah, this isn't wrestling. This is for children." I'm going to go back to WWE. Um, if you go into WWE wanting to hate it, you are going to hate it. And if you go into AEW wanting to hate it, you are going to hate it. Now, are I we, don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'll I'll finish right here. I don't think we are anywhere close to AEW and WWE being a head-to-head comparison or a war. I think they tried it with NXT versus AEW, and I think they realized what I realized, and that is it doesn't matter if we're warring against each other. Who, the people who are watching this are going to watch this, and the people who are watching that are going to watch that, and the war was a little bit futile. Mm-hmm. I think it'll only really be a war when Dynamite starts going head-to-head with Raw or SmackDown, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of the points that you just made with especially the fan base being very uh, different. Like, there's obviously your wrestling fans, and I'm just going to use wrestling as a, a term um, because we also have sports entertainment and we have professional wrestling. What people grow up and everyone sees on social media, they just see the squared circle and two or four guys in a ring doing a performance. And those, for me, that is that wrestling echelon of fans. You also, then you have your WWE people who have grown up and watched the product maybe from the 2000s on. And then you have your AEW fans, which I find are more critical of the standard of the performance in ring and not so much the storyline and i think that's what tony khan really builds his uh his business around i also find that a lot of those wrestling fans that are on the aew spectrum of things are either x attitude era bringing their new children uh their younger children up in what they are calling professional wrestling before vince swapped it to entertainment and you're they're trying to grasp at the past 
and hoping that somebody on that AEW roster can really get that breakout point like The Rock um, or Stone Cold or The Undertaker back in those days. And I think that's where you have your three platforms of wrestling fans. Um, in no way, shape, or form is AEW and WWE going to ever have that head-to-head -head like WWE and w or WWF and WCW had um, because I think it's two different, very different products. Um, there's there's no real storyline. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where is there a story, a true storyline in AEW right now? I think the closest thing we have is um, uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti with Scorpio Sky and Dan Lambert. I think that is the closest thing to a long-term storyline, not a feud storyline that we have going. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I wasn't even thinking of that one, honestly. I was thinking of um, of Eddie and Chris, but that's just because those guys are two veterans who know how to work the mic. I don't, I don't even consider Sammy and, and Scorpio a long-term thing, uh, to, be, to be completely honest. Yep. But I, I've said this since the beginning. You and I are in complete agreement. WWE is, for better or worse, the storyline company. Sometimes the stories are good and sometimes they suck, but they are the storyline company. AEW could just throw out Tanahashi versus Omega one week with no story, and they're going to sell out because that's what their that's what their fans are wanting. So now you and I on that. now yeah, and I think I think that's hands down the best point of it. Um, now has Tony Khan struck gold with this upcoming uh, proverbial forbidden door pay per view where New Japan's going to be coming over, and we're going to get these one-time open-door matches from the guys from New Japan versus our uh, beloved AEW guys. Um, has has he done this right? I think, I think, I don't know how else he could have done it, honestly. I, I think that, again, whether or not he's going to admit it from a business standpoint, there's always that little sort of, part of me that believes that every time they do something like this, they are really only doing it because WWE won't, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And in fact, I think it's good business. If you've got something that the people are asking for and WWE isn't going to do it, then why wouldn't you do it? Mm -hmm. And now even WWE fans, even guys like me, quite honestly, who I'm going to be honest, outside of Ibushi, Tanahashi, and a couple other guys, I, I don't know any of these guys from every time a New Japan guy debuts on AEW and 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 Excalibur has this big oh it's I'm like who the fuck is this guy yeah but even even somebody like me who doesn't really know these names is now looking over like you know I I, I got to watch that because yeah. WWE's never going to do this so I have to watch it so from a business standpoint I don't really see how you could have done it any different than what they're doing yeah and I I think there's some really good opportunity with some obviously five plus star matches um with this pay-per-view um first three or first two names that that are coming or first three names that are coming to mind um i don't think aew has really let jay white go uh since no. he's come in and uh, come in uh switchblade is jay switchblade jay white is in my mind probably currently one of the top 10, maybe 15 performers in the world. His his ability in ring is incredible. 
So yeah. seeing a decent feud build up and then match at Forbidden Door with Jay White, I'm excited. Um, Okada. When was the last time we saw Okada in a match on North American soil? Minus a New Japan match. Can't think of one. Honestly, that's just me, but I, I can't think of one. Neither can I. And then finally, and I do believe he is still there. Is Will Ospreay still over in New Japan? I believe that he's still wrestling matches for him, at least, yeah. Um, Will Ospreay in a North American ring? Um, I remember a promo. It was an interview in the UK, and Paul Heyman was there. And I remember him saying to Will Ospreay, you are the future of this business. And I'm sitting here now, and he has literally his pick of the litter, virtually, of some of the best performers. Like, right now, I want to see a triple threat between Scorpio Sky, Sammy Guevara, and Will Ospreay. Exactly. I I was just thinking, put him in a a ladder match with Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. Take my fucking money. Take my fucking money right now. (laughs) Okada against... Uh, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, um, Okada. Ver- I don't. I really hope they don't build this to be Okada versus Punk, because Punk doesn't need it. Might have bad news for you. <laughs> so I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I. That's the only match that first came to mind is Okada versus Punk. Um, yeah. I really hope they don't build it that way because Punk doesn't need it, and no. Okada's still way better. Um, yeah. And then finally, uh, I think we're going to see a, a, a faction feud with um, Jay White and um, the Elite. Do you, uh, what do you feel on that? Yeah, the Bullet Club versus the Elite. I, I think, honestly, that obviously it would be a, a barn burner. Yeah. That's a term that you still use. But I also think it might be a good way to further along because, again, we were also talking before the show that – Redragon, uh, Red Dragon, and uh, the Elite were teaming together. I thought they were feuding. Apparently, there's this will they, won't they thing going on with them, and uh, to to maybe do this thing where the Elite accidentally maybe hits Redragon with a chair and gets him eliminated or something. It could also further that story as well, um, and and give a clean way for the the Bullet Club to go over. So um, yeah, I, I def uh, yeah, this whole thing just has like you said, green money printed all over it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the fact that it's in it's in Chicago, right? It's in Chicago, right? Yeah, everything they do is in Chicago. Yeah, so <laughs> the the fans are going to be I think we're going to see the more, most excited fans that we're going to see since uh Punk returned. Uh Yeah. So, um so with that being said, so Tony Khan is hitting very good points um on doing stuff that is kind of changing the AEW side of the business, obviously opening the Forbidden Door, utilizing his relationships in Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, potentially seeing some work um, along the lines with some Impact people. Uh, What does WWE need to do to really kind of keep up? Or do you... We already know that we don't think WWE is really concerned about AEW, but... I think the fans are concerned that WWE is not concerned. Does that make sense? 
No, I, I, I completely, um, completely agree with that. And I, and I have that feeling too, but it, when you see a, a move like Cody Rhodes, I think regardless of what you feel about Cody Rhodes and his in-ring ability or his promos or whatever, um, the fact that he fucking cries all the time, that's, that's one of the things that bothers me. Drives me insane. <laughs> um, Cody Rhodes is a big get. Cody Rhodes is is a monstrous, monstrous win for WWE. Um, and, and I think that, just like I said earlier, every time they use Cody on, on TV, they're just rubbing it in Tony Khan's face, I think. Um, I think that we are very soon, very, very soon, starting to see, going to start seeing the floodgate. You know, we've seen all these guys going from WWE to AEW. I think that by the end of 2022, if AEW's booking the way of booking doesn't change. I think we may start seeing that floodgate go the other way. Mm-hmm. I think we may start seeing guys who maybe haven't, t- like you're never going to see, at least I don't think you're never going to see guys like Keith Lee or whatever, go back to WWE, but maybe guys who started in AEW and maybe aren't getting what they thought they wanted out of AEW, just like Cody Rhodes wasn't start ending their contracts and coming back over to WWE. And I think that's when that's when everything starts getting really interesting, I think, is when we start seeing the talent trade go both ways. Um, and so I, I think maybe that's when WWE starts acknowledging AEW a little bit more. The more people that come over from AEW to WWE, the more they're going to acknowledge, the more they're going to have to acknowledge, really, that AEW is, is a thing. Yeah, so. um, I do agree with uh, I do agree with your point that we are going to see a bit of the uh, the proverbial floodgates open a little bit. Um, I don't think it's as early as uh, as you're saying. Um, I say we have another about year to eighteen months uh, before that really happens. But like we're never going to see the Bucks. We're never going to see Kenny Omega. Um, We could potentially see the likes of uh, Orange Cassidy um, because his booking is atrocious right now. Um, you can see the likes of uh, my Brian dream, Cade. Brian Cade. Um, uh, I would love to see. I personal dream Sammy Guevara over on on WWE television. I just think the matches, but again, the relationship with Ty Conti, I do believe that hinders that because she left under horrible terms with. Uh, I think it was NXT where she was at the time because she wasn't yeah. getting booked well. Um, but yeah, like it's um. It's a very interesting dynamic where we are with AEW because Tony Ga- Tony Khan's uh, payroll, it, he must be printing money out of one of these arenas because I don't understand. Even, he owns the Yankees. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like he, granted, he does own a professional football side. He owns an NFL right. side. He's probably got businesses left, right, and center. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like you, your top five guys are – making five million plus a year and i i don't understand and you're barely using some of your top five guys like that's that's where my biggest concern is with this um but i think my final question is um actually i've got final two questions is the first one is if you could pick three guys from wwe currently and three guys from AEW currently, and you could trade them, and they get successful both on uh, both shows. What's the trade you're making? 
So, so the three that I'm taking from AEW, um, I, I was going to say earlier, I don't think you should shut the door on Kenny Omega going to WWE. For a guy who has, he has succeeded in everything else he's done in wrestling throughout the entire world, but the one thing that the greatest wrestler in the world hasn't done is wrestle at WrestleMania. I think that door is always open. Um, so I, I would bring Kenny to WWE. I know a lot of guys think that MJF's style wouldn't work in WWE, but I honestly think that MJF could help shape and change that style going forward. Like, on, you're not going to be using, you know, the, the, the word it's hard, Ray, or calling people shitheads or whatever, but but there, he could still get over. So, so I, I th- And then Sammy Guevara, like you said, I just think Sammy Guevara has WWE written all over him. Yeah. Um, his, his look, his style, his ability. So I, I would take those three. I think they would succeed heavily in, in WWE. And then guys that are in WWE that I think could help AEW succeed that aren't doing too much right now in, in, in WWE. Um, uh, Mustafa Ali, I think, is someone who could who could easily fill that Sammy Guevara role that he's in right now. Um, so I, I would throw Ali in there. Um, he's probably... I think that uh, I think that a guy like Bobby Lashley would do really well in AEW. Okay. Um, I I just could see him going over and just letting all of the little guys over there bounce off of him in his debut promo mm-hmm. and just slinging them all around the ring. I think that Bobby Lashley would get over huge as a big monster in AEW. And then from the women's side, because I think AEW's women's division. Um, Aside from Britt Baker, and even Britt Baker is starting to suffer from the AEW women's booking lately. Yeah. Um, I think they are severely lacking personality, and AEW, or WWE is flush with it. So I think someone that would uh, do very well in AEW would be Bailey. So Wow. Ba- Bailey, Lashley, and Ali for Guevara, MJF, and Omega. And again, I know that that may not seem like a fair trade as far as like what they've succeeded in. But just taking three people who I think would help the other brand and then three more people who I think would help the opposite brand, I think that's probably the best trade I could come up with off the top of my head. No, and uh, honestly, there's some big names in there, and uh, I can see I can see the story behind them all, which is great. Um, and I think my final question uh, for you tonight, my dude, is uh, what do you see happening with Roman Reigns? We, I was talking before before you answer this. Yeah, I, yeah. I was talking to uh, another TikToker um, and somebody else we both know very well um, about this the other day, and the comment that was made was, "I think this is the first time in our generation that we have seen a storyline and a something this dominant." where we can't book it like you could always see you know brett austin rock there was always a light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. even with what they're doing with cody you really can't believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that light is that pretty blonde hair the american nightmare what is your opinion? What happens with Roman in the next 12 months? So uh, I see a lot of people online that are defaulting to, well, whoever wins the money in the bank, right? Whoever wins the money in the bank has to be the one to end the reign. 
But have you seen the way WWE have booked the money in the bank for the past four years? Yep. They don't give a shit about the money in the bank contract. It's just a thing now. Yep. It's not special. It's just a thing. It's an event they can sell tickets to. Um, so I, I don't think that somebody winning money in the bank is a guarantee. You know, They could hold the thing for 12 months and cash in after Roman loses. They could cash in on Roman, and Roman could beat them easily. I could see that happening. Um um, I, I think Cody is is probably always that constant now that that is there and waiting. Um, the only other person, in in my opinion, who has been booked into enough credibility that if you put him in a feud with Roman, I would be nervous going into the match. As in, I don't know who's going to win this. Would be Drew McIntyre. Big That's shot. the only active active wrestler that they. They could throw into a match with Roman, and, and I could see Drew McIntyre. Outside of that, he got The Rock, right? He, the Rock could always come in at any point and say, you're not the head of the table, I'm the head of the table, and now I'm going to take that title from you. Yeah. Um, so I think those are probably the top three, would be Cody, The Rock, and Drew McIntyre. Yeah, so I think you're completely uh, correct in in the th- three people that you've just mentioned and fourth including the rock um i think cody's gonna be that constant you know proverbial thorn in the ass and uh they're gonna push him i just hope he doesn't uh try to execute his uh title run clause that he has um too early because that would kind of ruin the dominance that is roman reigns and what they've built um i'm gonna honestly drew mcintyre i've i've said for drew mcintyre and th- this is a big one. Drew McIntyre carried the uh, lockdown era, is what I call it. He and he yeah. deserves his WrestleMania moment in front of a crowd. He doesn't deserve a match against Madcap Moss. He deserves his main event in front of mm-hmm. seventy, eighty thousand people. So I hope, I really hope he gets it. I really do because I do believe all the work he did was that important um sorry who was the other one you mentioned before the rock uh it was either the rock cody drew or whoever the money in the bank yeah the money in the bank winner i I, the money in the bank winner uh for me has been a joke as well like you you put it on the likes of like baron corbin or you put it on the likes of uh who had it for the women for the short time um it was like, everyone for the one women for the past three years has cashed it in either same night or same week. So yeah, the, exactly. the women's history to that. Yeah, there's no history to it. And finally, with the Rock, if the Rock is your WrestleMania Roman opponent, Roman does not have the title going into WrestleMania. That is my opinion because that match is not a title match. That is a legacy match. And with all legacy matches, I I think uh, WrestleMania. Uh, was it 25, the end of an era match? That was a legacy match. Nobody needed a title for that because those two, plus Sean, or was it Sean? Yeah, it was Sean. Like, carried that. And you don't need a title. You just need competitors. So if it's The Rock at Mania, Roman's not going to have the title at Mania. So you can't have your, uh, your, uh, your cake and your dinner, and have everything all jumbled into one. You need to have one one stock standard. So I agree with you. Those are for me. Those would have been the three that I would have picked. 
But yeah. And you know, for me, what the if you are going to do the rock and roll and I'll make this very quick. But the, I think the perfect booking, and I don't know if you either you either do this soon and then the rock goes away for a while, or Roman has to hold the title all the way up until next Royal Rumble in order for this to work. One of the two. But I think you put Roman in a long feud with someone like a Cody Rhodes or like a Drew McIntyre, and he defends the title twice against this person. Both times, uh, Roman either uses a weapon or those damn Usos get involved or Paul Heyman gets involved. You get to the end, and it's like a steel cage or a hell in a cell in the rubber match. And Drew McIntyre or Cody Rhodes has said, give me this title match, and if I lose, I'll never challenge you again or whatever. And those damn Usos are cutting a hole in the cage, or they're about to climb in, and then suddenly, if you smell, yeah. and then The Rock had enough. The Rock comes out and stops the Usos. He distracts Roman long enough. He gets hit with three crossroads or three Claymore kicks. One, two, three, new champion. And then Roman's got his path toward The Rock. The title can go elsewhere. Yeah, um, That's kind of where it needs to be in order for The Rock to work, I think. I yeah I completely I completely agree. I think Santi and I had a conversation that it has to be the Rumble next year or it's not happening. Um yeah. all right, Jay, listen man. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you as our and I will speak for Santi as our first official guest on the Straight Shoot Wrestling podcast. Um honestly, uh it was we got some great insight on Raw. We got some great insight on where the business is at and i think where we're going with it jade at the end of all our episodes we give uh myself and santi time to like plug ourselves so do me a favor take it away plug yourself and let me know where let the let, let everybody know where we can find you appreciate that man yeah i'm real easy to find if you can spell it but uh it's a infamous opinionist uh on tiktok or you can probably just search Jade Lowe and you're going to find me too. And I'm easy to find because all my socials are in my link tree and my TikTok bio. So if you can find me on TikTok, you can find me everywhere. If you can't, I'm infamous Jade08 everywhere else besides TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. I have a Facebook page you can follow. I have a YouTube channel. It's just the infamous opinionist. So um, follow me everywhere you want. Daily wrestling content. A lot of conversations just like this one. So um, yeah, and, and Steve, by the way, again, I had a blast coming on here, man. Always have a good time talking with someone who's passionate about wrestling. I can always tell those who are and those who aren't, and you and Santi definitely are, man. So thanks for having me on, man. I had a great time. No, no, no problem, dude. And I hope we get to do this again. And hopefully Santi can join us. I know he's taking his vacation, guys. For uh, myself and uh, the Straight Shoot podcast, you can find us on TikTok at Straight Shoot. Uh, you can find us on YouTube uh, at Straight Shoot a Wrestling Podcast, guys. We are now live on Spotify and we should be live on all other access podcasts in the next week or so so don't forget to go join us over there all our links are in our link tree in the tiktok uh bio don't forget don't worry jade i will have your link uh in the uh under here for uh everyone to access your stuff and for myself i am mr tesh on tiktok and over on my twitch stream twitch.tv slash mr tesh again all links are in the bio. Guys, thank you so much for uh, sticking with us. And Jade, once again, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure and look forward to speaking with you again, all right? Anytime, Steve. Thanks a lot, man. Cheers, guys. Take care.